Hello, and welcome to episode 253 of Rhythm and Get... Wait, wait. Oh! Wait a second. Ooh, Freudian slip. Maybe that was deliberate, because this is episode 253 of Retro Encounter, but we're here to celebrate Rhythm Encounter. Rhythm Encounter is RPG fans podcast about RPG game music that uh, has been on hiatus since 2017, but we are bringing it back this year, September, in the year of our Lord 2020. And... <laughs> At the very beginning of this episode, I want to remind everyone, um, check out Rhythm Encounter, uh, unlock, reopen that feed if you stopped listening three years ago like many of us, because it is coming back with uh, episodes every two weeks until we decide to stop doing it again. But to celebrate um, Rhythm Encounter's return, both Retro Encounter and Random Encounter are doing special music episodes patterned like a Rhythm Encounter episode. And also, by a totally unrelated coincidence, September 2020 is Persona Month for Retro Encounter. You see where this is going, but before I continue, let's introduce the rest of the panel, starting with Hilary Andrew. Hello. And Peter Treisenberg. Hello. And Alana Hayes. Heya. So, I mean, Persona games usually start a party of four, so our party of four is going to go on our own journey to the shadow of our soul. Uh, we're doing an episode all about Persona music for uh, Retro Encounter 253 to celebrate the relaunch of Rhythm Encounter. So let's talk Persona a little bit. Um, uh, starting with you, Peter, uh, how did your Persona journey begin and what's your overall like abridged thoughts on the music of Shoji Meguro and Persona? Um, so I got into Persona with Persona 3 um, on the PlayStation 2, uh, the fast version. Um I think that was kind of the game that helped bring the series again, give it a a second wind over here in the West. Um, And from there, I just kind of went out. I I went on, I went back and played Nocturne. I went back, I played Persona 4, Persona 5, all that. Um, And yeah, one of the most striking things about this series is its music. I I think the Guru's style just really accentuates like how these games are like kind of modern and urban and, um, and uh, youth centric, which is just really it's it's this very fitting soundscape for these stories. You're right. Urban is a very appropriate adjective for Persona. We've mentioned this in other episodes, but every Persona game is basically some weird supernatural stuff is going down in this Japanese town, and the only people that can save it are these plucky uh, misfit teenagers. And I, I think Maguro's music does reflect the urban city setting of or small town setting of all the Persona games. I'll go next. I've told this story before. I tried playing Persona 1 after reading about it on RPG Fan and RP and RP Gamer in the early 2000s. I was in high school. It was probably 02 or 03. I hated it. I sent it back. Then I, um, I played Persona 2 Eternal Punishment briefly because uh, it was on sale for like $20. I was in college. This was probably 06, 07 range. And I'm like, okay, this is better than Persona 1, but I still don't know what's going on at all. And I shelved it permanently. Um, but then... In the early 2010s, one of my friends said, Solosi, you've told me your Persona story. You're wrong. Here's a copy of Persona 3. Play it. And yes, my uh, many of my friends also call me Solosi. So I did, and a new obsession was born in me. I've played the bejesus out of Persona 3, 4, 5, and Q, Q2, and others. It's one of my favorite uh, series of RPGs. And Shoji Maguro's music is one of the pillars that holds up Persona so highly in my regard. It's um, it's really special. So, uh, Alana, what are your early Persona thoughts and Persona music thoughts? 
Uh, so I got into the series relatively late. It was around, it was around when the Persona Five teaser dropped. Um, I did try Persona Three when it first came out on PS2 and just bounced off it immediately, probably because I was too stupid and too young and didn't understand what was going on. Uh, and I tried Nocturne at the same time as well. Um, like Persona is originally a spin-off of the Army Tensei series, and a friend like lent me both games, and I tried them both, and was like, no, these are too hard for me. I don't like them. So yeah, I didn't come back until like 2013, 2014. Got Vita and got Persona 4 Golden, and within the space of about four months, played Persona four and three back to back and then picked up five and played it and um really loved them at the time and have varying degrees of emotions about them today um currently playing through persona 2 you might hear more about that eventually um mm-hmm. mm. um but in terms i think like even though i'm mixed on certain things in these games i think the music is the one thing i am consistently positive about um probably worth noting shoji maguro has not been the sole composer of the entire series um persona 1 and persona 2 have definitely had multiple composers working on them um but and i know that maguro worked on uh, revelations persona on the ps1 anyway um but he definitely worked on the remakes on the psp and I just love how stylized they are. Like, Persona 3 leans on J-rap, Persona 4 is J-pop, and Persona 5 is rock and acid jazz, and there's something for every mood, I think, and I really love listening to them outside of the game. I love how varied they are, and Maguro's got such a cool sense of style that you can always tell it's his as well, even though that he changes up between games. Um, So... Yeah, I mean, the music is probably my favourite part of these games consistently. Um, and yeah, I just, I'm ready to talk Persona music, I guess. Yeah, um, Maguro was not the composer on the first three Persona games, but he was the overall production supervisor or director on, the, on all the PSP remakes. So his, yeah. uh, his musical imprint is on all of them for sure. And uh, and he even the he wasn't the sole composer of the later ones either. Uh, Atsushi Kitajo uh, d- did several tracks on Persona Four and Five, and was the mm-hmm. supervisor for Persona Q, and I think also the Persona Four Arena games. So there, it's not only Maguro that we're going to be discussing here, exactly. But I mean, just like you think Final Fantasy, you think Oematsu, you think Persona, you think Maguro. There, I, yeah. I, I think I think is at least a fair. Um, oversimplification. I think it is, especially because he's got such a recognizable musical signature, as you guys have said. And Hillary, as we have said, now it's your turn. Um, what are <laughs> what? What's your personal persona journey, and what are your abridged uh, thoughts on its music? I talked about this a little bit on our recent Villains podcast, but I started with four. I was visiting some friends in North Dakota where there wasn't much to do, so we started on four. I got hooked pretty immediately, and I would say the way the music kind of pairs with the environments and the characters to create this really cool atmosphere is definitely one of the main draws of the series for me. So I played that, and then I went back and played three and Eternal Punishment and five. And I would say I've enjoyed them all to, to varying degrees, but pretty positive overall and yeah the music i mean there's some fun experimentation with genre going on based on the game kind of like how the different games have a a color i kind of feel like the music in the games has a slightly different Mm -hmm. style so yeah just excited to get into it and talk about all the different music that that we found 
Alright, now speaking of getting into it, let's do exactly that. Uh, we've divided our uh, Persona discussion into four blocks. Each block is going to have two songs, so uh, like um, our sort of concept for New Rhythm Encounter, uh, we're going to have sort of eight songs per episode just to keep the episode's length and editing duties at a reasonable, le- at a reasonable extent. So our first block is uh, two songs from Persona 2, um, and Alana and Hillary chose these. So, uh, Alana, what's your first track? Uh, sure. Um, so to kick things off, I've picked up the very interestingly titled Boss Battle. Uh, this is the Persona 2 Innocent Sin PSP version. Um, it plays in most of the boss fights in the game, uh, and it's really rocking, so excited to talk about it. And Hillary, what's your first selection? <laughs> I have chosen the equally excitingly titled Map 1 from Eternal Punishment, the PSP. <laughs> so we are going to cruise through the city at night with that one. And it plays pretty early on in the game while you're on the map. Okay, so for our first block, we have Boss Battle and Map 1 from the Persona 2 PSP duology.
And we're back. Uh, that was Boss Battle from Persona 2 Innocent Sin PSP and Map 1 from Persona 2 Eternal Punishment PSP. So, Alana, how about that boss battle? Oh, it's so good. I, I made a point of listening to the original and the PSP versions back-to-back, and, oh, the PSP version's so good. I love the way it changes three times. Um, I think my favorite thing about it is just how... I don't know, it's jamming is the only word I can think to describe it, and I feel like that's a word or a theme that will come up a lot in this episode, because so much Persona music is just so easy to bop to, or to dance to, or to hum or sing, and it's great, and this feels Persona-y, but it also feels a little bit SMT, and it kind of hints towards that shift between, you know, Revelation's Persona being the spin-off, and persona slowly becoming its own thing and stylistically um but yeah I, I think my favorite thing about this is really the guitar solo um right towards the end of the first loop and it's there's so i there's like not a lot i can say about this track because i think it's so simple in the way that it shifts and a way that it just moves through and i'm like i don't know i just love this track and hearing it in game is even better and i think the normal battle theme is really good as well it uses the same kind of synth start that this does as well so yeah i I mean i'm curious (laughs) to hear what everybody else thinks because me i'm just like i love this but i don't have too much to say about it personally (laughs) yeah um persona 2 is uh well i should say persona in general is a spin-off of shin megami tensei and to a degree i think persona 1 and 2 is kind of a bridge between what smt is and what persona eventually became and, the, and there's more old SMT mm-hmm. in Persona 2 than in, say, Persona 3, 4, 5. And, like, that, this track is, a kind of, is kind of a bridge in a similar way, because Shin Megami Tensei's music, or at least me thinking of uh, Nocturne and Digital Devil Saga, is much more rock industrial than, mm-hmm. uh, than yep. what later Persona is. And, and, and this is a, a bridge. It, it, like, it has that sort of four-on-the-floor backbeat, forward momentum, danceable, uh, like, like Alana said, and we'll talk about some specifically danceable Persona tracks much later. Tr- trust <laughs> me on this one. But also is much crunchier than, uh, yeah. th- than like, the smoother parts of the Persona 2 soundtrack. And, and yet it has multiple, fr- it has multiple phases. It's, it's not just a two-minute loop. It's like a... I have to check the YouTube link, but it's it's like a, a four minute loop that goes through multiple changes. It's a, it's a, a really really good boss track. Feels like an actual like rock song, you know, like where it just it, it, yeah you'll have the same melody, but it, it builds up um, over time. And you have like the interlude with the guitar solo. Yeah, you you have to appreciate the way it goes hard and doesn't mm-hmm. stop the entire time. Oh man, more <laughs> more more boss battles, please. Have a guitar solo. Oh, please, yeah. It, no, I, I think dirty and grungy is a really good way to describe it. Like, there's no other, there's weirdly no other boss theme that sounds like it in Persona, which is really strange. Like, yeah. this feels like, it's not even, yeah, it's really unique, but for how familiar it sounds to me. Like, this is kind of the music I grew up listening to, I suppose. And Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, of... I, I think like on the continuum of Atlas music, it might nudge closer to a Digital Devil Saga or a Nocturne. Yep. It, this would not be out of place. It honestly reminded me of SMT uh, SMT 4s boss theme a bit. Mm. Oh, yeah, good. it does. I, I don't know SMT four. That's that's a personal failing of mine. I because I, 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 I played good. a lot of RPGs in the 3DS. It's good, um, and the music in that game is really good. But that's also got goes for that like hard industrial. Um, and kind of like moody ambiance in its soundtrack a lot. And I think the Persona 2 tracks, both of both of the ones we discussed, um, 
fit that vibe very well. Yeah, both soundtracks are like that in their entirety, I would say. They're much more atmospheric and generally Persona 2, from what I've played so far, is a way more atmospheric game than 3, 4, and 5. Yeah, so I think that's really well mirrored in the music. Persona 3, 4, and 5 go a little bit more the almost the Mega Man route of trying to have a, a melody and a and like a, a bop, you know, to each track. But Persona 2 goes for sort of atmosphere over writing the entire thing on a melody, which I think is something that is a bit of an Uematsu thing. Like old Final Fantasy, every song is completely forcing a melody on you. And uh, Persona, Persona 2 and other sort of earlier um, uh, Atlas soundtracks aren't that way. But, yeah, I'd say that's another part of the bridge we're describing here, is mm-hmm. that transition. But Alana, you brought up guitar that. solos. And mm-hmm. um, I I don't know, guitar solos are something that I absolutely adore in 80s and 90s and decided maybe music doesn't all music doesn't need guitar solos in the 2000s, but then it comes roaring back when I hear guitar solos in these games because our other Persona 2 track also has a dope guitar solo in it. <laughs> uh, uh, Hillary, let's talk about Map 1 from Persona 2 Eternal Punishment. Yeah, of course. So this caught my ear early on in the game mostly i i sort of described this but mostly because of how evocative like evocative it was of the setting i think i can just really picture driving through a city at night and i was talking about this track recently and i described it as the there's one repeated note that you hear at the beginning sort of like as a backdrop that do 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 and then it goes into the melody and i could just picture you know stopping and going at traffic lights between those two sections. That's one reason I picked it. But also because I think it also demonstrates a little bit of the playing around with the genre and a little bit of the shift toward melodies. And yes, it also has a good guitar solo. <laughs> I, I, I I love that guitar solo in the middle. And it's it's more of it's more of a blues guitar solo than yes. a straight up rock, um butt rock guitar solo like in bo- like in the boss battle theme. Yeah, like I, I support more R and B and blues guitar and other sounds in general yeah. in, in my RPG music. Persona six, go back to nineties R and B. Just a small suggestion. Yes. I think that's one of the most fun things, like when I when I've done music reviews for RPG fan, I usually do kind of more genre related ones. Like I've done a couple jazz. I'm working on a Celtic one, so please more experimenting with genre and RPG soundtracks. Yeah, I'm really picky with like real music and genre, but like I tend to find that like I'm not really a fan of R and B, but I love it in video game music, and I love how they mm-hmm. utilize it with characters and. This is a really cool one. It's so chill. Like the map themes in Persona 2, Innocence in and Eternal Punishment are both so chill. And from what I know about Eternal Punishment and comparing it to the Innocent Sin music, like it's played at night, I'm assuming, and it sounds yes. way more ethereal, which fits Eternal Punishment given that I believe it's an alternate version of world. The idea is that yeah, there is a little bit of like parallel alternate world plot going on. And one of the other main premises is rumors. Um, yes. Yeah. They're mm-hmm. one of the main kind of mysteries you're trying to figure out as you go through eternal punishment is there is a curse where rumors apparently come true if you spread them enough. And that's a mechanic you can actually use to your advantage as you progress. Yeah. yeah. That, that's true of both innocence and, and eternal punishment. Mm-hmm. And, and, and most of the conflict in both games or well, more so innocent sin persona, the eternal punishment has other things in the conflict. 
the innocence and a lot of it is there's a curse where that if any if enough people hear a rumor it becomes true and then things go out of get out of hand okay this is going to bring it all together map one uh r and b and um the idea of of changing things with rumors <laughs> Um, the ending credits song to Persona 2 Eternal Punishment is called Change Your Way. It's written by an American R&B artist named Alicia Laverne, and it was made for Persona 2. And uh, you can listen to it on... Uh, it, it's, I don't think it's in the American version of the game, but it's, it's the end credits in the Japanese version of the game, and it's included in one of Alicia Laverne's personal albums, but like not the main soundtrack album. It's, it's, uh, it's a little confusing. But uh, it's, it's a really cool song, and a motif from it, appears in map one it's uh the 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 first line is goes you can go where you wanna go and they sort Mm -hmm. of do 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 yep exactly and and that uh is a recurring motif in multiple tracks in persona 2 eternal punishment including Mm -hmm. map one and also the lyrics of the song are uh you can change the way you can you live you can uh you can like uh forget the past like try to change yourself kind of like there that is not maybe an on-the-nose metaphor for what happens in Eternal Punishment, but it's related. Uh, going back to 90s R&B, they, they, these games are 99 and 2000. They, there is some uh, R&B influence in the soundtrack, partially because they're games of their time, and they have literally a <laughs> an American-produced uh, 90s R&B song for their end credits. <laughs> It's really different. Like, up until that point, you've got what Eyes on Me, the Tales of Openings, mm. Melodies of Life. They're all ballads, and this is really cool. Like, the ending credits for Eternal Punishment are. I really love it, and I love how it's utilized in this map theme as well, like you yeah. both said. Like, I mean, I think of the music with lyrics from, like, the Lunar games and Tales right. of Fantasia, and it's, it's all either ballads or J pop. <laughs> And and none yeah. of them none of them are like uh, change your way. And I mean, there's aren't there aren't really any games like Persona Two. That's true. But all right, um, we had a block of all Persona Two, and we're going to move on to a block that's all Persona Three. Um, so Peter, let's t- talk about the first game you're introducing for this episode. Um, so my pick for Persona Three is Tartarus Floor One, um, the song when we first step foot into the darkened halls of Tartarus. And Hillary, uh, what is your second selection for the podcast? <laughs> I made this pick because I was really shocked that this has not been somewhere on Rhythm before. Uh, my pick is the one, the only, Mass Destruction. I share your shock, Hillary. And now, listeners, we share these two tracks with you. Tartarus Floor 1 and Mass Destruction, both from Persona 3.
face reality, never be charity. The enemy, your buddy, covers all society. Damn right, mommy's down here, gonna fight you all night. Right here, shadow, 10 o'clock direction. Seize the moment, this is all the nation. You rhyme slow motion, give me motivation. Freaked out now, and then I'm a rival. Round up around, spit out, all over. Rhyme like a roller stone, come in a crowd. Watch out the moon, they this too loud. Get more this sound, and bombs whole ground. Surround up, don't ease the pace, this enemy's brutal. Home of the truth, there ain't no truth. You're the only one, one world, one love. Shadows all mass destruction. Welcome back, listeners. That was our second block of tracks, Tartarus Floor 1, Thebel Block from Persona 3, and also from Persona 3, the original version of Mass Destruction. So, uh, Peter, let's talk about maybe the most minimalist track of the whole episode, but definitely a jam. We're going to use the word jam over under 40 times this episode. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) All the Tartarus tracks, as you go up the Tartarus Tower, progressively more layered and build upon each other and i think that's really interesting but the first one is my favorite just because again like you said it's so minimalist it really it's just that bass and that um that soft piano kind of playing in the background it's super ominous and dark and really sets this oppressive atmosphere for your dark hour dungeon runs 
that I think is just it's just such a great introduction to what your main gameplay loop's going to be like. I love it how it it does it really sets the mood for Tartarus. It it lets you know what you're in for, but also because it's so minimalist minimalist suggests that things are going to get possibly a lot worse and more interesting and layered mm-hmm. in Tartarus as well as with the music. And also I love like the, the scratchy crunchiness of the, of the background. It's really neat how they made that sound ominous. Ominous um, is a good adjective for this one. It's, uh, yeah. it's almost like a horror movie where it's deliberately low key. So uh, just to make things, to give you an idea that, that, uh, that something very scary could appear very quickly. And um, my favorite thing about this track is definitely the low bass. The yeah, I love it. That's a that's like almost like a heartbeat or like uh, the mm-hmm. feeling that um, that the Jaws shark is going to is is going to appear. Um, or death. Yeah, right. <laughs> or, or, or or literally death. Who wields dual shotguns and a lot of chains? Or are they rifles? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not. Maybe they're maybe they're, maybe they're just giant carbines or something. I'd, I'd have to look at an, at an image to get the gun properly. But yeah, when this basically quiet track is sometimes punctuated by like the weird growl of a shadow or the chains of the the special boss death chasing you down. Um, gives a, a a slight horror vibe, but it is a very cool track on its own, especially for that uh, that echoing piano and bass drum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I really love the piano coming in, and actually, um, it's probably worth saying like Tartarus is your school, um, you know, transformed into this massive tower, and this place in Sebel Block, I think, and Sebel is a Hebrew word for confusion, um, and it definitely evokes that sense of anxiety when you walk, you know, when you walk into your school, and all of a sudden, oh, there are personas and death walking around, and it definitely captures that like unsettling tone and i yeah. love how like the higher floors build up the instrumentation some of them change up as well like i think third block in particular like second block adds an extra instrument and then third block removes it and slows it down and it's really interesting how like the entire tower plays around with that a little bit but like Thebel block in particular is a really nice way to set up because persona 3 it feels like the middle of a transition and like musically and stylist like in themes because it is one of the darker ones but it's like that move towards you know japanese rap music and more <laughs> anime right. tropes and stylized characters and things and, and living your daily life exactly yeah like this is one of the tracks i think you could probably hear in one of the older games as well it's definitely mm-hmm. got that undercurrent yeah it would not be out of place yeah i was really interested in why you picked first block actually rather than one of the later ones so i'm I'm glad you did, because it's definitely really different. It captures the eeriness of going to your school on a day off, like <laughs> where, where there's no one but maybe but maybe custodial staff, or maybe seeing a teacher at the grocery store. So it's like, it's like, <laughs> like, 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 like there's something off and wrong about this. <laughs> you're yeah, just, we're just kind of this school is supposed to be full of people, and you were supposed to be one of the people in the school. Yeah, I still feel that anxiety now as an adult when I see a teacher in the grocery store. I'm like, ugh. One of my elementary school teachers went to the same pool as me, and I never enjoyed seeing her, even though she was a perfectly nice lady. (laughs) (laughs) Like, this is all wrong. (laughs) But uh, speaking of things unexpected, I mean, mass destruction fits what Persona 3 is, 
but before I heard it for the first time, it was it's not the kind of music I would associate being in a Japanese RPG. So let's go into maybe the most iconic song no. in Persona 3. Yeah, it, it definitely isn't, and I didn't mention this before, but it's one of the regular battle tracks, which is also interesting because you hear it a lot. But also, yeah, there's a lot of unexpected stuff going on with the vocals, the horns. I love the horns. And, of course, <laughs> Lotus Juice, which we can't have this Persona music podcast without mentioning him because he does a lot of lyrics and a lot of rapping on various Persona games. So I had to bring him into it. And I particularly like his work on Persona 3. So, Yeah, he's, uh, he's a motor mouth. He, uh, he raps quickly yeah. in, in, in fairly clear English that is still a little bit of the, you know, slightly absurd Japanese use of English that you'll see mocked on the internet often. But he, he has real rhythm and flow that gives Mass Destruction a distinctly, you know, uh, like hip-hop, flavor to it that is again so unexpected in an rpg for me and just the the intro baby 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 is also distinct like i mean and persona 3 is a 70 plus hour game so maybe you wish there were a few a a few a few dozen less babies over the course of of the game but it's never (laughs) i Sometimes I, 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 I don't know. I, sometimes I don't want 400 babies is all I'm saying. <laughs> and, but it, it's such a unique track yeah, that, but... that is, that is be, become one of the signature Persona tracks, I think. And, uh, yeah. and, and to this day, Lotus Juice is, is just delightful. He, he also does tracks on uh, the uh, remake of um, Persona 2 Innocent Sin and mm-hmm. one or maybe both of the uh, of the Persona 4 Arena games and uh, and both of the uh, both Persona Qs he's become a Persona staple that is uh, that is very welcome like like what Persona fan doesn't like Lotus Juice you're not a Persona fan then <laughs> and you know it, it it took a lot to not start this section with the baby 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 too so <laughs> I admire all of our collective restraint yeah, it was hard. I, I just can't match that speed, that's why. And also, this is the original version of Mass Destruction, but this is one of the most remixed Persona tracks ever. Uh, it, 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 uh, there's a new version on the, in the Re- Reincarnation album. Uh, there's a movie version that I really like that has sort of a longer intro uh, in the music games and in, the, and in the, uh, the dance remix album of Persona 3 and 4. It gets a new um, Mass Destruction gets a new version in Persona Fest when you play the uh, the answer chapter starring Igus, which I, I don't know that's not my favorite Persona story, but uh, but at least it has a good version of Mass Destruction in it. Um, but this is the original, and maybe because of its uniqueness and those several babies, it's it's become iconic. <laughs> yeah, that FES version at least takes out the babies at the beginning. I think it starts off with the trumpets and the horns, doesn't it? Rather. I might be misremembering. No, it, no, you're right. It starts with the banana, banana, That's like, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, in terms of like battle themes, you said it was like really unique. Um, but it, like, it, it doesn't like battle themes for me are either moody or uplifting, and this is neither of them. Like, it doesn't really fit into a box, which I think is really interesting. And the lyrics kind of mirror the situation. Like, you know, it talks about shadows at 10 o'clock, and I'm like, oh, when are the dark hours? Like, midnight, isn't it? But it still fits, kind of. When you're listening yeah, to I mean, Persona 3 podcast, every hour can be the dark hour. Sure can. <laughs> it just kind of fits the, uh, well, we mentioned, like, the urban style of the Persona music. I think the rap, like, that they use in Mass Destruction and in, um, uh, Burn My Dread are just very, very yeah. um, effective songs. 
um, that convey the themes of the story while in a very unique way. Like it's, it's such a bizarre song, but it's also like, it somehow fits perfectly. Like, you know, it's, it's, it just kind of, it, it belongs there. There's a version, there's a new song called wiping all out. If you're playing as the female protagonist in persona three portable, um, that's also a very good song, but it does lack a, a certain amount of uh, baby. Oh, I have a lot of thoughts on different versions of songs depending on which protagonist you're using. Uh-huh. <laughs> this next block is going to be one track from Persona 4 and one track from Persona Q. Uh, first is my first selection for the podcast, Heaven from Persona 4. And second, we have Peter's second selection for the podcast, Light the Fire Up in the Night, Sound of the Labyrinth version, Dark Hour Arrangement. So Light the Fire Up in the Night is a song from Persona Q, um, a crossover game on the DS. This is a arranged remix of the Persona 3 version of that song that is included on the Sound of the Labyrinth arrangement CD. All right, so let's move on to our third music block, Heaven from Persona 4 and Light the Fire Up in the Night, a specific version of it from Persona Q, Shadow of the Labyrinth. Tell them to take my dream 
present, I'm already futuristic cruising satisfaction. Kill me a bit, curiosity brings me back in moving. Next level explorer with my crew supporters Take a quest forward with my crew Like the shiny stars, like the past Whatever is right You keep on blinking at me You never turn away from me In this past me. Night sky Like the fire up in the night The journey that we travel for our prize No matter where we go We will not stop the shining Forever And we're back from heaven, because uh, the first track in that previous <laughs> block was Heaven from Persona 4. Now, at, at the risk of uh, our listeners not playing Persona 4, I'm going to avoid discussing all the context, 
but uh, this music plays in a dungeon themed around the uh, sort of an innocent idea of what heaven or the afterlife is. It's very serene. It um it, it has it, it's not a slow song necessarily, but it's like but it's a ballad that sort of when it goes into the chorus gets a little bit more upbeat, but is um held on by some just really beautiful uh, bass, violin, and and percussion that I really really like. There's a bunch of different arrangements of Heaven, but the original is my favorite because I think it strikes the best balance of being sort of mellow and mo- melancholy most of the time, but then almost like an upbeat lounge singer kind of song uh, for its mm-hmm. middle segments. It's it's one of my favorite Persona tracks. Yeah, same here. And I think the positivity in the lyrics as well, like, but the way she sings them, and the lyricist, um, yeah, the way she sings it, it's not like a particularly poppy, upbeat one, but the lyrics are really positive and makes sense given that you said it was an innocent version of Heaven and, you know, the Dungeons in Persona will take different themes depending on what character they're based on. And this definitely stands out because all of the others are very, very dungeon-y music. This is very unique and even, again, in the whole series in that it's just got such a different tone and balance to mm-hmm. it. It's a unique dungeon, too, because like you said, the music, same thing with the themes of the dungeons in the game. You're used to going into the, t- the spoiler TV world and seeing really dark places, very threatening atmospheres. And this is the opposite, even though there are still shadows around. Yeah, exactly. It's like all these other dungeons are like the people's shadow selves or dark selves. And this is a character who's trying to uplift themselves in a way. I'm probably twisting the message slightly, but they're trying to create a positive world in their mind because they're so scared. Again, I don't want to spoil this song's context, but the song in with more context is even more heartbreaking putting it mm-hmm. all together it's um shihoko hirata is the persona 4 vocalist yumi kawamura is the persona 3 vocalist i mean both of them are very talented ladies and shihoko hirata just is uh, like this is lower pitched and and uh and slower and more serene than most of persona 4's music because persona 4 is very uh, is very pop influenced and especially yeah. just the songs around town and even the battle themes are way more upbeat and and bouncy than this song. Heaven, the song, the dungeon's also called Heaven, uh, is, is very fitting, both, uh, both for the vibe of the game and the vibe of the dungeon, but it feels a little unusual or off because... Like compared to the rest of Persona Four, but it's a it, it's really beautiful. It's, again, it's I don't want to repeat myself too much, but it's it's a personal yeah. favorite. And I I really like how that's reflected in the lyrics. We mentioned that a little bit, but like it has, if you listen to the lyrics, it has really like bright, positive lyrics in a lot of spots. But the actual melody and the way it's sung are both loungy and slower than a lot of the other tracks. So it's an interesting contrast. Yeah, I mean, I use the word lounge. I wonder if it's supposed to be an Enka song, maybe? But uh, let's move on to another track. And Alana, we were talking about the differences between Yumi Kawamura and Shihoko Hirata. This is a Yumi Kawamura vocal track. Uh, Peter, let's talk about Light the Fire Up in the Night, Dark Hour version, Sound of the Labyrinth arrangement. (laughs) Yeah, right? That's that's not a mouthful at all. Um, Okay, so confession time. I've actually not played Persona Q. Ah, so that's why you uh, said it was a DS game and not a 3DS game. Oh, did I say that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, oops. But I haven't played the game. 
I, I'm curious. I like the cro- I like cross dumb crossover stuff as much as the next guy. Persona Q, the first one, is a crossover between three and four in the style of Etrian Odyssey, which is another Atlas series of first person dungeon crawlers. So it's a very interesting blend of different Atlas uh, tropes and genres. Um, and it's got the fun little like fan fantasy of having your favorite characters interact. What is neat about Light the Fire Up in the Night, this is one of the battle themes, um, is that it has a different version in-game based on the Persona 3 cast and one based on the Persona 4 cast. And they brought back their respective musicians to do the songs. So um, Lotus Juice is on the 3-1 and uh, the, the, the lady... Uh, what was her name again? Sorry. Uh, all right. To clarify it a little bit, I'm a bit yeah. of a Persona Q obsessive. I've played both of them. Lotus <laughs> Juice is on both versions. Um, okay. Uh, Yumi Kawamura is on the Persona 3 version, and Shihoko Hirata is on the Persona 4 right. version. The P3 right. version has some more guitar and is a little bit lower, and the P4 version has more horns and is a little brighter. Yeah, so it's, it, it fits their musical styles very well. This arrangement is on the Sound of the Labyrinth arrangement CD, which I believe came with first print copies of the game. Might yes. tell me, <laughs> okay. Um, and and it's it's so it's based on the Persona Three version of the song, hence the Dark Hour in the title. But I just I really like this song, man. This might be one of my favorite Persona battle themes because it's just it's such a bop. <laughs> right? Yeah, I love the horns in this so much. It's so punchy and it reminds me of the horns in Mass Destruction actually, so I'm it, really interested to know that like there's more horns in the Persona 4 version, but then when you think of some of the cutscene music in Persona 4, there's a lot of horn in there as well. Um mm-hmm. But yeah, like it's again that return to the rock style, isn't it? And Yeah. Yeah, and it's got like a bit of the Persona 3 rock, a bit of the Persona 4 rock as well, like you know, the main battle themes of Persona 4 are kind of twisted in here. And so it's like this blend of everything, like Persona Q is, is the blend of the modern Persona styles all in one pocket. And like, it feels like a good yeah. way of summarizing, like, this is Persona Q. I'm glad it's an arranged version, because actually Persona Q has a turn-based battle system. And I'm like, this is a little punchy for that, but it definitely definitely fits as a rearranged version I... Pun- punchy is a good word for it because yeah just how rapid fire the lyrics are before the main chorus kicks in and even then the main chorus is like super upbeat and like mm. um rock anthem e in a way um, mm-hmm. um but yeah it is really like you put the persona 3 soundtrack and the persona 4 soundtrack into a blender and hit puree <laughs> in a lot of ways the persona q games are fan service games uh i'm not going to call the stories of either of them particularly deep or interesting but just having these large casts interact in a light-hearted manner is great um the the dungeon crawling itself and the battle system itself is 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 moderately deep and fun i again i enjoy these games this is coming from a positive angle but musically the amount of fan service is stunning because you have these two versions of uh, a really good song that that's strong on its own but with different versions applying to Persona 3 or Persona 4, depending on which protagonist is in your party. And in Persona Q2, uh, the Persona 5 cast joins, and the Persona 3 female protagonist joins, and each of them gets their own battle song. And in-game, in you can even program which one plays in different situations or randomly switches, and you can download almost every Persona battle track from 3, 4, and 5, and uh, it's paid DLC, but it's at least worth considering. So, like, you could have potentially a dozen Persona battle tracks on shuffle for Persona Q2 without any, with, with only just a, th- a few DLC dollars. As fan service, m- musical fan service, 
Persona Q and Q2 are maybe peak Persona, and this version <laughs> of Light the Fire Up in the Night is so dope. Uh, it, it's a little bit busier than the um, than the original version. Like it feels like there's more guitar, and it definitely has more of a beginning beginning and end than the than the you know the the version in game designed to be looped. It, it it's real good. Um, I, again, uh, Yumi Kawamura, another very talented persona lyricist. We're gonna talk about. I'm sorry, a singer. We're gonna talk about a, a third one very soon. Yeah, you picked a, a slightly uncommon but very dope arrangement of a really fun battle track, Peter. Yeah, I know. I wanted to get some variety in there. Um, honestly, from the way you describe Persona Q, it kind of reminds me of Dissidia in a way. Um, <laughs> where it's like, this isn't a particularly deep and meaningful story or anything, but you're going to get your favorite characters interacting and cracking jokes, and it's kind of hilarious. I, I don't think the story is particularly deep, but it's, it has enough breadcrumbs for me to keep following it and just continue to enjoy the uh, the solid dungeon crawling and excellent music in in both of those games. It's neither of them are lightweights; they're both sixty hours at least. I'll have to hunt, I'll have to hunt them down at some point because I've kind of been trying to fill in my 3DS collection. Right. I think Persona Q2 must have had an incredibly limited release because I was looking at Amazon listings and it was like 80. <laughs> I, th- yeah. I think they I think they did put a little bit less money into that one because uh, Persona Q1 has a full English voice track and Persona Q2 doesn't. It's a, it's a Japanese with subtitles only. Yeah, which by that point, it's not. I, I can't say I'm too surprised considering by that point we were well into the Switch's lifestyle. Uh, and, life, and, lifestyle, lifetime, and, and, and Persona Q one had a has several replacement voice actors, and it. it's one of the ones where Matt Mercer voices Kanji. But uh, I, I think we might be ready for our for our next discussion. Uh, we are again very predictably. If we if the first three were two, three, and four, the next block is going to include some Persona five. So Alana, let's talk about your first selection, Beneath the Mask. Yeah, so this is one of the main overworld themes for Persona 5. Um, Joy. And uh, for my first selection, I'm sorry, my second selection, um, I went into spin-off territory. This is the Taku Takahashi remix of Last Surprise. Uh, Last Surprise is the Persona 5 battle theme, but this version appears in Persona 5 Dancing in Starlight. So here we are, Beneath the Mask and Last Surprise Taku Takahashi Remix.
And we're back. That was Beneath the Mask from Persona 5 and Last Surprise Taku Takahashi Remix from Persona 5 Dancing in Starlight. One of those intros was much shorter than the other. But, uh, Alana, let's talk about Beneath the Mask. Which and, and this is the original version, not the It's Raining Outside version, right? Right, yeah. So this is the version which has the bass and everything. And I love this. This is one of the first tracks I heard from Persona 5 before the game came out. And I was really surprised because a lot of the overworld themes in Persona, modern ones particularly, are a lot more upbeat. I mean, it was Todai Station and when the moon hits the sky uh, and, oh God, all the ones from Persona 4 are a lot more upbeat. And this one's a lot more chill. This plays particularly around the area of uh, LeBlanc, Coffee and Curry. And so I always associate this with coming home and Sojiro Sakura, who is secretly the best character in Persona 5, going, <laughs> ah, you're back. And I just have this really warm feeling of sitting down and making coffee, getting together with friends and that and hanging out. And it's got that really nice chill jazz vibe that the Mm -hmm. whole soundtrack carries through. Um, I think I love the lyrics in particular. And uh, this is going to sound really cheesy because I'm a pretty introspective person. And I feel like this song speaks to me a lot on a certain level. Um, Interesting because Persona as a series puts a lot of emphasis on introspection but you don't get a lot of those more like down tempo introspective tunes and this is a great one i mean just give me that coffee and curry and let me unwind <laughs> yeah and i think in particular persona 5 is about i mean all persona games like their shadows and their persona are their true selves basically the part of their psyche literally and this song is basically about hey take your mask off and reveal your true self essentially and 
I found it really interesting a while ago because obviously there's a line in there um, about Poe's Masquerade, which is about, um, it's a reference to a short story by Edgar Allan Poe called mm-hmm. The Mask of Red Death. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, there, and there, that... there's a really good movie version of that uh, um, directed by Roger Corman that's worth checking out. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. Um, and then also um, I found out that The Velvet Room is also based on that same book. So the origin of The Velvet Room is based on The Mask of Red Death. So it's definitely worth having a look into. Um but yeah, I just, I love the lyrics and I love how it all ties together. The rain version is even more chill because it literally only is the do, 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 the whole way through. No bass and no percussion. I know a lot of people are not as fond of this as many of the other Overworld tracks because it does play a lot. But I think it's a really nice contrast to how grungy and dark and upbeat and poppy and jazzy the rest of the soundtrack is. Like you know persona 5 goes hard when it wants to and then it goes really chill when it wants to but it's not very often i think um there's definitely more of a rebellion feel in this game and this is like one of those tracks that kind of pulls that out and is a bit more like right chill out have some coffee and i need a break from my rebellion and toppling the existing hierarchy (laughs) i need a break from arsene lupin Honestly, it is a very appropriate song for a coffee house. Like this is like just mm-hmm. kind of that chill hop type song. I've totally not listened to this for an hour loop. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah, I've listened to it in coffee shops and everything while I'm doing work. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. I'm still focused on your mask of the Red Death reference because in in the in the earlier Persona games, a masked man named Philemon is, mm-hmm. is sort of the mm-hmm. proprietor of the Velvet Room. And he wears a mask, and I have a lot of thoughts now. But, uh, <laughs> but speaking of beneath the mask, I mean, exposes is the wrong word, but it, it sort of exposes the player to important persona themes in its lyrics, but is also just so low key. And uh, we, I think, we mentioned an hour ago on the podcast that uh, acid jazz is an inspiration for um, for Persona Five. And when I think of acid jazz, I think of just the really sick bass lines and Jamiroquai songs. Yeah, um, uh, like, like like Runaway has maybe my favorite bassline of any of any oh, pop song so ever. Good. Yeah, oh god, I, I love that bass. But there's a lot of great bass in Persona Five, and that that even that even sort of takes the melody sometimes. Um, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm thinking of I forget the name of it, but uh, the song that is that plays during test taking days has just a great oh, yeah. has just a great bassline. But yeah, the the bass and electric pa- and electric piano in Beneath the Mask and other tracks create a soundscape that can that can switch between chill and active so easily and this and beneath the mask is one of the best versions of like the chill half of persona 5 yeah yeah and i mean the the, the lyrics are lovely and the lyricist of persona 5 lynn is mm-hmm. oh my god i've never heard that much soul out of a japanese singer in my entire life she's uh, and she, she's a great like through line in the soundtrack as well yeah, yeah and and she get, she gets a, a song I think she gets two songs alongside uh, the other Persona three vocalist <laughs> Persona three four vocalist in Persona Q two but but yeah but Lynn is a tremendous vocalist and I think because of Lynn's presence I like this version of Beneath the Mask more but there is something nice about the instrumental version with rain with with the sound of rain going in the background there's there's a value in that but uh, but yeah this is the better version of a really, really cool, uh, chill overworld song. Uh, yeah, I agree. 
Should we go on to yours then? Sure. Which, uh, this Lynn is definitely makes an appearance again. <laughs> considerably less chill, though. Uh, now, <laughs> before <laughs> I talk about Persona, the Persona 5 dancing in Starlight, uh, the, the, or any of the Persona dancing games in general, I sort of always recommend that you play the game first or listen to the original version of the songs first. Because if you hear the the Persona dancing version first, you'll think, like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> like, like, because all of them are extremely upbeat, uh, electronica, four-on-the-floor arrangements, because they all need to be danceable to a degree. And uh, Last Surprise is the main battle theme in Persona 5. It has a lot of really cool um, strings and horns in it. I, I love the, all of the like string quartet counter melodies in Persona Five. How like yep. you know like the the strings will sort of not be the main melody, but will drop out with really staccato dramatic uh, entrances and exits. And Last Surprise is a good version of that. Yeah, uh, it's a, the, right at the beginning. You have the yep. And like and the or the the really in uh, in Rivers in the Desert the like the just the super dramatic strings in a lot of Persona Five music, but. Uh, in this version of Last Surprise, they add acoustic guitar, add a really uh, fancy set of percussion, and some like and some like so, some electronic chimes, like bing, bing bong, like almost like electronic sounding chimes, just to make this version of Last Surprise as poppy and upbeat as possible. And it's yep. a it's it's a uh, uh, a futaba song in the game. In, in the game, there's always a main dancer for every song. And sometimes it's a group group dance or a music video or something. But this is a Futaba dance, so her very quirky, cute dancing to this version of Last Surprise is just awesome. Like this is a song that I think is maybe better uh, watched as a music video than 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 as straight audio because it's a really yeah. it's, it's the total package in terms of silly persona dancing. But I still recommend you listen to the original version first, just so your brain won't get pop poisoned by this. (laughs) (laughs) That was a long ramble, I apologize. (laughs) Yeah, you're fine. I think I agree with you in watching it, because I tried, like, I was re-listening to every, well, listening to most Persona soundtracks in preparation for this, and, like, I wasn't watching it. I was trying to do work at the same time, and I just could not gel with most of the dancing tracks. But the minute I started watching them... Most of them started to click with me, and this is one of the better ones, I think, just because it manages to retain what makes the original so good. And, you know, as revisionist history goes, now Last Surprise is not good anymore, apparently. Um, what? Um, oh, what? Oh, come on. It's because the new battle theme is really good. Oh, and oh right. Yeah. I, I have heard the new battle theme into this good, so but, you know, whatever. That, that's, that's still dumb revisionist history. Yeah, it just retains the theme of it while also making it even more upbeat, because, like, you know, last surprise is like breaking free and taking down your enemy and stuff. And this is just like really, really great. And yeah, I'm I'm surprised I like it as much as I do. Because, but again, maybe it's just because I wasn't watching most of the videos. And I was like, nope, you need to start doing it. And that was when they started clicking. Um, I think it was the one of the more most authentic sounding ones out of the rest. Some of them felt a little bit too too far away. I thought, but this is a good one. I would say. I uh, I recently. Um, played Persona 3 dancing and Persona 5 dancing back to back earlier this year. I guess it was, let's say, April, May, June is when that happened. And I basically agree, like, taken on their own, these remixes are weird and may not fit. But if you already know the music from the original game and then play these with your the Persona characters dancing to them, 
it, it's sort of that total package that makes me like the Persona dancing games. And, and I think that 3 and 5 are somehow stripped down, but also a little better than Persona 4 dancing, for reasons we don't need to discuss right now. But uh, this is one of the more fitting, better uh, Persona dancing tracks. And let me tell you, I've played through all of them. <laughs> I've done the research. Like, I'm sure if I played them, I would love all the music. You know, you get attached to them by the way that you have to play them and match the beat however you have to do it in Persona dancing game. I, now I'm just kind of thinking about how a lot of the Persona movement is really rhythmic and it's it's cool to see it tied to movement like in, in the dancing games. I'm thinking all the way back to like the Persona 3 opening and and the opening movie and how I think that improved like mass destruction for me a lot because of the way they cut it, right? The mm. characters' movements match the beat. Yeah. So. I love a lot of opening themes to games because of the way they're like cut to the music and like the reason I love Cowboy Bebop so much is because how all the fight sequences are match the music and it's mm. choreographed the music and it's the same here. Like these songs work so much better when you see the visual side of things because you can, you know, it, it imprints on your memory. And yeah, I think you nailed yeah. it. Yeah, it works I, well together. I, I think Persona in general is very good at enhancing the audio with um, visuals and context. Like when you understand, uh, we, we've talked about the context of a lot of these songs, maybe not all of them, but when you sort of know the song's place and what the song is trying to accomplish, then it, it then you like it more. And if you play the game and you can associate visuals or or movements to specific songs. You like it. You like them more because Persona has really thoughtful and good audio design, and songs that are also good enough to be enjoyed on their own. Part of the reason this episode exists is because Persona music is absolutely worth celebrating, and it's not just the audio; it's the total package. So we know you're listening, listeners, to an audio-only format right now, and uh, these songs are being presented to you in an audio-only format, but they're better with context and visual. Yeah, I think it's the same for all video game music, isn't it? Like, Yes. It, it reminds me of music from musicals, because you can attach story or character or movement to them, and they're improved with context. The Hamilton soundtrack is good on its own, but if you watch the Hamilton show, like all of a sudden you have you associate it with this story. Um, yeah. And it, yeah, and that's true of a lot of video games. Yeah, I do struggle sometimes with soundtracks that I haven't played the game to. I've tried to do it more often, and there are certain, like, a lot of Western RPG soundtracks I love, and I've never played them. Um, you associate memories with them, I think. It's the same for everything, really. Yeah. Now, they say that the, the sense most strongly attached to memory is smell. So, would the perfect game soundtrack also include, like, a smell vision <laughs> kind of? And Chrono Cross definitely smells like a pina colada with a mm. side... <laughs> Oh, we should do a podcast where we pair games with wines or food. I'm in. If you want to do make cocktails with video game soundtracks or video Mm. games. (laughs) But it's funny because we were just talking, Persona's a very, a game that's very closely tied to time. And we were talking about seasonal like flavors and and scents Mm -hmm. earlier too. Gotcha. Yeah, uh, Persona 3, 4, and 5 at least go through uh, most of a calendar year and attach different songs with different times of day and times of year to enhance the context. I think Persona 2, Innocent Sin, this is theoretical on my part, takes place in the winter because the Grand Cross uh, constellation that um, 
they're discussing really happened in December 1999, so I, th- I think that's around when the game takes place. Again, like the context and story and visuals um, give you another level of enjoyment to video game soundtracks, and Persona's just really good at it. I feel really very strongly about this. And, I mean, part of the reason we love game music enough to have a podcast about it, which is Rhythm Encounter, and you should subscribe if you haven't already, listener, is because um, huge fandoms have built up around game music, and I think that fandom would not be the same without the, without the gameplay and story context that we get from it. Right. Speaking very broadly about the concept of game music, something I wasn't totally expecting for this podcast. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> celebration of the return of rhythm encounter yeah that's yeah that's the real point of this we love persona we love game music but uh rhythm encounter is rpg fans ultimate celebration of game music um it was a podcast that ran from i think 2013 or 2014 until uh stopping in 2017 over multiple different phases of uh of hosts and and creatives around it but uh mike salbato made it one of his missions to revive Rhythm Encounter after the new site design fit completed. And that site design finished over the summer, and he be- immediately began planning the uh, Rhythm Encounter rising from the ashes yep. r- right after he finished that. Well, I think all, all four of us are on early episodes. Yes. Yep. So, so like, uh, maybe not this month, but in the first couple months of new Rhythm Encounter, you will hear... Uh, their dulcet tones and my uh, horrifying screech. Um, Oops. Please. <laughs> but anyway, those were our, our eight um, tracks for this episode of Retro Encounter, made to celebrate Rhythm Encounter. I know it's confusing. It's uh, we're, we're, I'm not helping by just adding more details. But let's talk about what's going on for Retro Encounter uh, for the rest of the month. We are doing two episodes on Persona 2 Innocent Sin starting next week. Alana mentioned that she was playing it, and uh, Alana, you were definitely one of the um, panelists for that episode. I love Persona 2 Innocent Sin, so I'm really interested to hear those episodes in their finished form, but I'm not going to be recording this time. And coming in October, I mentioned it last week, we're doing one of the most requested games we've ever had for Retro Encounter, at least especially over the past two years or so, Fantasy Star 4, The End of the Millennium, the first time we seriously go into Sega stuff since our Dreamcast-dedicated episode, Literal years ago, Alana. Yeah, more Reiko Kodama. Woohoo! Oh, there, there's a there, there's a shared design thread between um, Skies and, and Fantasy Star Four. Uh, multiple staff members from Fantasy Star and Panzer Dragoon worked really? on Skies of Arcadia, and Reiko Kodama, the producer of Fantasy Star Four, also produced Skies of Arcadia. Oh yeah, this is, these are the details that you're going to be here for because because again, I was I was not a Sega kid growing up, and this is going to be one of my first deep dives into a Sega game. So I'm, I'm looking forward to starting that up uh, very soon. Uh, we're recording this in August. I'm not, uh, so I got time, but <laughs> uh, I, I am going to start up Fantasy Star 4 as soon as I finish my current game project. So other than Fantasy Star 4, we haven't planned out the rest of October yet. That will come very, very soon, and I will let, uh, we will let you know on podcasts as soon as that uh, stuff is prepared. But we are doing a, a September feature. That is, I'm going to try and have a podcast accompaniment for it, but it hasn't quite come together yet. So please look forward to more RPG fan features and podcasts uh, September, October, and beyond. But listeners, you, uh, if you want to reach out to the podcast directly, the best way to do so is to email retro at rpgfan.com. You can also comment on our brand new revived message boards, visit our Years in the Making Facebook page, our Instagram page, our Twitter page, our Discord server, our Twitch channel, something streaming every day on Twitch. There are many ways to interact with RPG Fan, and we encourage all of them. There are also three other fine podcasts on 
RPG fan, Rhythm Encounter, which you've heard me mention six times in this podcast already. <laughs> Please uh, sub- subscribe or resubscribe to that one uh, as soon as you can. At the time of this episode being posted, there should be one brand new 2020 episode of Rhythm Encounter with more to come every two weeks. And there's also Random Encounter, which is also every two weeks and about RPG randomness, hosted by Greg Delmage and John O'Logan. And also Phoenix Edge, a weekly podcast mostly focused on current events, uh, hosted by Hat, Eric, and Stan. So please listen to all four of RPG fans' podcasts and review all of us on iTunes or Google Play or however you are listening to us. We love feedback and would like to and will react positively to any criticism you're willing to provide. So we aren't quite done presenting music yet, but let's share our, tw- our social media first for the listeners, starting with you, Hillary. Sure. Best way to contact me would be through RPG Fan email, Hillary at RPGfan.com, or I'm EP Fire on Discord. And Peter. Um, you can reach me at I Have Fury on Twitter. Um, I'm not at, on Discord very often, but I'm Petrie's on there. Um, you could also email me, PeterT at RPGFan.com. And Alana. Uh, so the best way to get me is Twitter. I am at Alana Hagues on there. I am Alana on Discord. And if you do want to email me, I am Alana H at RPGFan.com. Emailing will not work for me because I barely check emails other than the retro at RPGFan.com email, which I do check every few days at least. But if you, the easiest way to reach me is Twitter. I am at the Real Monsoon most of the time, at Evoker for Dogs at other times. Yes, that's a Persona reference, and yes, I'm proud of you if you've uh, known that for months or years and not and not <laughs> and uh, and are not learning about it just now. And on on Discord, I am Monsoon Mike, and on uh, I, th- I think I think the new forums are just using our full staff names now. So I'm probably Michael Solosi on the RPG Fan forums, but I'm not sure. Before I say thank you to the listeners, we have one final song. In uh, in Rhythm Encounter, there's always sort of a playout song that folk that serve as the I don't know the end credits or the farewell to the episode. And because I'm selfish, I chose it this time. And if you know me, this might have been predictable because uh, I have a I have a favorite Persona song, and I chose it uh, for this outro. Um, we mentioned how in Persona Two. Eternal Punishment, the uh, Change Your Way song, is sort of a recurring motif in Persona 2 Eternal Punishment. The other Persona 2 song, whose motif shows up often, is Maya's theme, which is a uh, which has you know multiple versions in Persona 2. There's there's even a Maya's theme remix that you can play in Persona 3 uh, Fess um, by telling uh, by telling yeah. your navigator to, to change the background track. But there's a particularly excellent version of Maya's theme that is on the Persona 2 PSP re- rearranged version, and it's rearranged by Atsushi Kitajo, who was someone that worked on Persona 4 and 5. So it's a Persona 2 song with the sort of supervision of a Persona 4 and 5 artist that really feels like a bridge between the two different generations of Persona, and it's maybe my favorite Persona song ever made. So it, please enjoy Maya's theme, Atsushi Kitajo rearranged version, Thank you, good night, and good luck.